You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to How to Citizen with Baratunde, a show where we reimagine the word citizen as a verb, reclaim it from those who've weaponized it, and remind ourselves how to wield our collective power. I'm Baratunde. We want this show to do a few things for you, make you feel better and more empowered, and give you things to do to improve your community and our democracy as a whole. That feels super essential right now as the election 2020 season ratchets up and we get more dispirited and assaulted by a lot of noise. Keep your head up. 
And if you need to just take a time out, trust me, I get it. I truly hope this episode helps restore you a bit. It's designed to give you a turbo boost of people power. We've recorded it with our live Zoom audience as usual, which you can join by visiting howtocitizen.com. Sign up for my emails or text messages. That's where we put the invite to protect our Zoom universe. And speaking of email, I want to thank you if you've sent us a message to action at howtocitizen.com or comments at howtocitizen.com. And thanks especially if you shared a rating or review in your podcast app. It really helps with the trolls. Now I'm going to hand the mic to myself as we all learn to let the kids lead. In this episode of How to Citizen with Baratunde, we are going to explore two things that get a lot of lip service in the worlds of philanthropy and democracy. Civic participation and youth empowerment. Can you hear the white papers ringing in your hair in an uninspiring fashion when those terms ring not so loudly in the streets? Civics, as we've talked about it on this show, is a topic that gets very watered down out there in the quote-unquote real world. There are civic education and participation projects that often shy away from addressing the idea of people power, the history of injustice in this country, and why our systems are the way they are. The questions about power in the system and who benefits from those decisions and why. The grounding in that deep understanding of power. Instead, this diluted version of civics, it focuses on the idea of being informed and making sure your representative knows your views. And maybe volunteering. Maybe. And none of those are bad things. They are, in fact, necessary but they're not sufficient. They aren't the whole picture and they miss key aspects that I just mentioned which come down to true accountability and things that make real change happen. We think this idea of youth empowerment and civic participation needs a reset because at the same time, we're facing some pretty big challenges. I don't know, climate change, racial inequality, economic inequality, and the purposeful erosion of our democratic institution. And during all that, we hear this refrain, the youth will save us. It's now up to the kids. This dastardly commencement speech, which burdens the next generation with the failures of all those who came before, who should have handled it, it offends me. That's not how we do that. That is not fair. We don't tell kids to clean your room and then clean our rooms too. I say to the youth, welcome to our democratic society. We will be there with you beside, befront, and sometimes behind to let you lead. Now we hear this talk about many in the adult population talking about Gen Z as self-obsessed and checked out with social media and they're disengaged and they can't be counted on to vote. At the same time, we put the pressure of the literal world on them we berate them for not believing in institutions. We've given them very little reason to believe in. I find it interesting that this generation is putting pressure on the system in their own way and have their own savvy critique as to how change will happen. Given my perspective on this, you're going to understand 
why I was thrilled to learn about this relatively new organization and campaign that is tackling these things head on, but in a very new, real, and promising way. I am thrilled to welcome the co-founder and CEO of Civics Unplugged, Josh Thompson, along with Zoe Jenkins, a Civics 2030 Campaign Steering Committee member, to talk with me today about the founding of Civics Unplugged and the launch of their Civics 2030 campaign. Welcome, Josh. Welcome, Zoe. What is the mission of Civics Unplugged? And what was the motivation for founding it? Zoe, you want to take the mission and I'll talk a little bit about the founding? Sure, that sounds great. So it's in everybody's email bio, the kids will lead. You know, we have so many systems that are falling apart. And Bertrand, I think you phrased it perfectly. You know, we're putting the impetus on Generation Z while also not believing in them. And so at Civics Unplugged, we're totally flipping that that the kids aren't just the future. You know, they aren't going to just be our future presidents and our future leaders. They're going to be leading us right now. And we're seeing that just perfectly in this moment. So I think that's really demonstrated by the fact that our steering committee, which I'm a part of, we're all high schoolers, all under the age of 18, helping run a campaign to fund other Gen Z projects. And stuff like this isn't being done because we're not trusting kids to lead when we know that they have all of the power and the knowledge and the spirit to be able to do so. So I think that is really the core of our mission is really operationalizing that and letting kids start leading right now because we desperately need the leadership of young people if that's not been made any clearer by everything that's going on. And I'll toss it over to Josh to talk a little bit more about the founding. I was part of a mission of Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. I'm from Newark, New Jersey, uh, and he was deciding to run for the highest office in, in our country. And he's helped me so much in life that it's not even a question that when he does something, I usually tell people, do you need me or want me? With Cory, it's either one, I'm in. And so I was traveling around the country and I was at all these different rallies and convenings and a lot of campaign, not his, others and other adults, uh, we're looking out into the rallies and saying, I can't believe the adults and these parents drag these kids out. And I was like, you know what? I think it's the other way around. And there's only one way to find out, which is to get out there and start talking to the kids. And I, I call them kids in our community. They ask to be identified as that. And so, yeah, all the things I think that we may all in this community have a feeling of, you know, I would go up to someone like Zoe and I'd say, hey, did you get dragged out here? And they'd be, do you know what I had to do to get my mom out here? Like she's got to be more involved. Like I had to bring her out here I had to tell her where it was to get her there, get her on time. And that's just when it started to come together. And it's a bit of a misnomer. Sure. You introduced me as, as the CEO of Civics Unplugged. My contract and in my title within the community is that I'm the executive assistant to Generation Z. It is a intergenerational uh, theme of service and, and action and service. But it started with us saying, let's have a all inclusive paid for trip to our nation's capital. Let's start there. Access is everything. We say that kids will be the change, but they've never even been to the nation's capital, majority of them. So I started going around speaking about that kind of connective tissue. And that's when I met a couple other kids and young folks and uh, another co-founder, Gary Shang, who was part of Google and building out the Google Cloud. And he said, I'm going to build your digital platform. And I said, what digital platform? We're all going to DC. And he goes, right, I'm going to build your digital platform. And that's when we started to bring in this community that has led us to today. Before we catch up to today, Josh, I want to go a little bit further into your background because what you shared is fascinating. What I've learned about you before the Cory Booker speed dial moment is also fascinating. Okay. And you talk a bit about your personal journey pre that uh, with St. Benedict's and even a bit of your childhood. 
Uh, I'm a multiple time high school dropout. Talk about a, a system not serving, right? Just getting handed one. Uh, the education system was was not serving uh, in that sense. And for the age of 11, lived in over five states, you know, a couple dozen homes. But the home and where I became a man, as I say, is in Newark, New Jersey and at St. Benedict's. And, you know, guiding in into that community, St. Benedict's really threw me for many, many reasons. One, Father Edwin Leahy, uh, much like our community. Yeah, he's the headmaster, but no way. The, the kids run that entire school. And Father Edwin found me at a time where I had no community, did not know where the next place I was going to sleep. And he welcomed me in uh, to this experience that I am so thankful for. Everything at St. Benedict's, it was the first time where I was brought in. And the first day I went up to him, sucked my teeth, told him everything. I hadn't even experienced it. I told him everything that I didn't like about the school. And he goes, great, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. And even more to the story is we know at St. Benedict's, so there's a boarding facility there. And a majority of us in that boarding facility are in a situation where we don't have parents, need not be with our parents, or we need a more structured community in that sense. And that's where I learned and, and was called out that there's a time in my life, all I wanted was a door to hide me from everyone, right? Like, I'm good. Just, just put me behind a door and I'll be all right. Well, the dormitory that I was put in, they didn't have doors. Uh, and I found out that because if, if you are depressed, uh, if you're feeling this anxiety, uh, what you do is retreat. So the whole concept of St. Benedict's is, is living out in brotherhood and now sisterhood as we welcome young women. When I was brought into the home of St. Benedict's, that is when I met the goofy 31-year-old wearing Birkenstocks, Cory Booker, uh, mayor of Hopeful, uh, running for our city. And, you know, I'm, I'm part of what was called the Street Fight Gang and worked the Central Ward. I used to work it when I was not in high school, hustling, playing basketball, putting a round ball through a round hoop. And... You know, I found Corey, I found, forget a campaign, I found his movement, right? He was welcoming in people who were not of the age to vote like me. People, because of our criminal justice system and inequities, had lost their right to vote. And that's when it was really imparted upon me of, sure, Corey wanted to win and he knows how to count votes, but it was something bigger. As he said, Josh, what were you doing with your time before this movement? Uh, so I, I, I met him. At that same time, I met my wife-to-be, and that's when I started to get deeply involved as well with the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Uh, Miss Rachel Robinson is an angel on this earth, and I started to uh, intern and work around there, uh, which the motto is education is our pitch. So I never had a choice, man, uh, and I'm, I'm happy for that. So in a roundabout way, that's some of the background. Thank you for going there a bit with us. That often helps to understand where you're at by knowing where you've come from a bit. Zoe, I want to know a bit more about you and your connection to Civics Unplugged. How did you get connected to this merry band? Yeah, um, so I guess I'll walk back because I am I was an inaugural fellow with CU, so I applied last November, but I want to go back a little bit of how did I even you know come to the point of wanting to apply. Um, so my mom, she is a CPA. She's an accountant. She worked at her parents' trash company. They were first-generation college students, paid for it on their own, got a loan during Jim Crow, which was really difficult for African-Americans. And so they really instilled in her and all of their children that's like, you're going to college or you're not my child. Like education was like the pathway to success. And, you know, for them to be able to start a trash company that's still profitable 50 years later, they're like, yeah, you're going to college and you need to take your schoolwork very seriously. And that's something that she and my father um, have both instilled in me. And then going through elementary and middle school with you know that attitude and seeing a lot of students who don't have that attitude for a myriad of reasons. There are a lot of students who, I guess, quote unquote, don't care about school, but there's something going on at home. That's why they're not caring about school. 
or, you know, there's something going on with how we're catering to different types of students. There's something with the way that we handle discipline in school that makes students not want to go. And so with all of that experience, I got involved with a local group in Kentucky around education advocacy and student voice because students go to school 35 hours a week. It's a full-time job, but they're not at the decision-making table deciding what's going to be on our curriculum. How are we going to discipline students? What does the school day look like? And so I've been doing that work. Uh, I guess I'm approaching almost four years, four or five years of doing that work. And then the application for Civics Unplugged came about. And I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity to take, you know, education work to a, a macro scale. Um, I think I kind of skimmed over the word civics because I was like, that doesn't apply to me. Education and civics, those aren't the same <laughs> thing. And then I think probably within like three weeks of being in the fellowship, I was like, oh, wait, I was like education reform, civics. I'm like, that's all the same stuff. And I was like, this is a great opportunity to kind of unite those two things. And then, you know, going through the fellowship, we had our launch event for Civics 2030. And I hosted that event um, where we had Cory Booker speak, we had Andrew Yang. And then that was kind of the launch pad for me, um, getting more involved with the steering committee and then um, just getting more committed ever since. And it's just, it's been fantastic the whole way through. Uh, Zoe, you used the word launch pad. Now I want to give you an opportunity to talk about this organization you launched. Uh, tell us the name and, and what your mission is. Okay, so with Civics Unplugged, I launched a diversity, inclusion, equity, and anti-racism training for Gen Zers called DICE. And it was inspired off of some stuff that happened in my own school. Um, I was in this math and science program, predominantly white and Asian students, and a lot of them were using the N-word. And I was like trying to figure out how do I like educate my peers on why that's not appropriate. And I think what I realized is I was like, I've been in K through 12 education all my life and I cannot even put the words to it of how do I explain to someone why that's exclusive language and why that's not okay. And so with a little bit of extra time during quarantine with school being more flexible, I did a lot more research into there must be some kind of diversity inclusion training for young people, right? Apparently, that's not a thing. And so I partnered with some people at the University of Kentucky, partnered with Verda, one of the co-founders and just an amazing resource in all things anti-racism in CU to create a curriculum that's free and open source. And we're starting our own pilot cohorts here in the next week or so. So just super excited, I think, to try and get this to as many young people as possible because it's so important. It always blows my mind that we were on this train probably in February. So before a lot of us were, I think, more in tune with everything going on. And so we were just kind of, you know, perfectly positioned, I think, to really jump off in the summer here. How, how old are you, Zoe? Uh, I'm 17 years old. I have a huge smile on my face right now. Mm -hmm. I also am noting that I think part of why this training didn't exist is because we have this assumption that young people just magically know things. Like, like the next generation just it's in the air. They breathe different air or their genetics are slightly <laughs> modified to a more woke setting. And uh, someone's got to be a part of that educational process. So I'm really grateful for the effort you've taken. To either of you, you know, you have this term in your movement called civic superheroes. Who or what is a civic superhero to you? So, you know, I think we all have superheroes. Like when we were younger, we all looked up to Superman and Batman. We were like, I love these superheroes. They're so powerful and they're going to save the world. And I think that, you know, we ascribe to them the ability to fly, this crazy ingenuity, all of this wealth in the case of Batman, to be able to buy any gadget that you want. 
And, you know, I think our society is in the place where we need superheroes. We need people to look up to who we know that these are the people leading systems change. And so I think that that is the inspiration behind the use of the word. I mean, we would normally call them, these are icons, they're, they're titans, social entrepreneurs. I mean, they're great words and they describe who they are, but they don't really get at the powerfulness of somebody who can really unite a group of people around the betterment of a society. And so I think that's a lot of what our language at Civics Unplugged is about. We're all space themed, all astronaut themed, talking about lift off, you know, everybody is just an astronaut kind of exploring the realm of space and just that representing the social betterment, which I think is so crucial to I think to the whole visionary culture that we've created within our organization. Visionary is uh, sometimes a word overused, but I think in the case of your organization, you actually have a vision. It's not a 2020 vision, it's a 2030 vision. I think you call it Civics 2030. There's a plan, there's people involved in moving us toward it. You call them builders. What is the Civics 2030 vision and what motivates someone to be a builder in that, you know, in achieving that vision? So someone asked me the other day, Josh, what's your role at Civics Unplugged? And I said to pick fights with the kids that I consistently lose, right? And that, that's like one of the funnest things in the world, but that dialogue is super important, right? It's not just, hey, I disagree with something. So let's, no, no, why? How? What's the research behind it? Don't just say, I don't like this system and, and throw it out. Have you experienced it? Have you gone, gone all the way? And all the adults that you see recognized as civic superheroes, they were all uh, selected and elected by, by our community, uh, which was one of the funnest thing launching Civic 2030 that when Corey was selected or, you know, The Rock, it, it was the easiest outreach I've ever done. I literally would drop a line of like, yo, I can care less if you do this. The fellows in the community have selected you and, and to see the speed of these civic superheroes that so the intuition of, of the kids were remarkable. But, you know, the launch of it, when I picked the first fight, it made me roll my eyes, right? The, the community had come up with this 10 year pledge. I'd been in politics and government and public service how many superintendent five-year plans that I heard about. I got a three-year strategy, a five-year turnaround plan. So it's like, here we go. We're recreating this other generation of a plan that's going to be written like a white paper, put on a shelf and get dusty. And that's when one of the, the community members said, nope, here's the deal with the 2030 plan. And then so we talk about how do you become a builder and, and how that's evolved. They said adults, a lot of the way, stress out about what to have for lunch tomorrow. The 10-year plan is when I make my 10-year pledge, around climate change, that informs what I'm going to have for lunch for the next 10 years, the impact that that has on the environment. And that is the sense of actionable pledges. And that's when I got it. And then that's when Zoe and the kids just ran with it. So Zoe, if you want to talk about the process and how you become a builder. Yeah, how you become a builder is just that you're committing to build a better 2030. So at the end of our fellowship, all of the fellows who were to become builders created their own 10 year pledges. They designed what is the ideal community? What is our ideal democracy? What am I personally going to do in, over the next year, five years, 10 years to realize that mission? We all signed a declaration where we laid out, this is what we want 2030 to look like. This is how all of our individual pledges play into that. This is how our community is going to be governed. Uh, we have probably as flat of a structure as possible. The only reason we need steering committee members is because you need somebody I guess to just sit in the room every Monday because not everyone can get there Monday nights, but the whole builder community votes on everything. Um, and so, yeah, just being a builder just means that you're committed to building the future of 2030. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What are some examples of the picture of 2030 that you've painted? So my own personal builder pledge revolves a lot around dice, a lot around how can we get people to be more vulnerable, 
be able to listen to other people and just work more collaboratively organically. But there are a lot of other people's pledges, like what Josh mentioned, that revolve around climate change. We have people who are focused on election reforms, and it's just a really diverse array of what people are committing to. But I would say, you know, getting a chance to see some of our other builders' pledges, which you can also actually find on our website for the most part. A lot of our own pledges are just out there for people to see and to ask us about building a society and a community that listens to everybody. And I think just works more concretely together than we are right now. Because that's the basis of any kind of systems change. You need to be listening to the people who are on the front lines, the people who are experiencing it, but just making the through line of connecting it and you know bringing the value proposition to every single citizen. What are some of the motivations of the builders in this community? I'll say that something our co-founder mentioned to me recently, and I don't even think I totally realized it, is that every single builder has some kind of chip on their shoulder. But, like, you know, you don't just wake up in life wanting to, you know, totally flip all the systems that you've been experiencing and living through, like, on their head. You don't just wake up wanting to do that. There has to be something that happens, which is sad. You know, we, we want everybody to see that value add, but... I think the motivation is that people see a problem, they're experiencing a problem, they know someone who's experiencing a problem at the system, they've, you know, taken, I guess, all the traditional routes. And at some point, they realized they were like, no one else is going to do something about this, I have to be the one who steps up and does it. And, you know, there are a lot of natural barriers, especially for young people, you know, if you're under the age of 18, you can't sign certain checks, you can't, you know, create certain contracts without your parents being there. And that, I think, is the real beauty of Josh and the rest of the co-founders. They have a lot of value, I assure you, but a huge value is that they're over the age of 18. They can sign those contracts for us and just really operationalize that. The kids can lead. Uh, there are a lot of superficial barriers that we place on young people, on people of color, that we place on women, that we place on um, various other people of different social locations. But I think they're virtual barriers and they're barriers that we at Civics Unplugged are committed to helping people break and move past. Can you explain uh, even more how Civics Unplugged differs from existing civic engagement work? It's been natural, Baratunde, in terms of how we're different. One being we consistently get this feedback from our partners. Hey, we are kid light, like they're advisory. Y'all are kid heavy. And, and we're working with our community to, to really understand that, that for them, they can't just flip that switch. They just can't make that culture chain or organizationally overnight, right? We need to walk together. We need to learn together and, and we share our mistakes consistently. But what we really found is when uh, the fellows started to, to be recognized for their work, two things. One was other nonprofit or more specifically political campaigns wanted access to our kids. Cool. We, we are never, we are decentralized. We're not the barrier. But when I started asking what they wanted them to do, they said, well, be interns. I said, cool, what do you want them to do? I want them to uh, run our product, our social media campaign, uh, think about how we do engage youth. I was like, that's a leadership position. That's not an internship. So show me the budget that you have to recognize that. And we were met with a lot of them saying, okay, I'm with you. It is leadership, but we don't have the budget. And I said, cool, we'll chip in. We're not going to let budget get in the way of these youth attaching themselves as leaders. We're investing capital directly into these projects like Zoe's, like the project down in St. Louis. Talk about a chip on your shoulder. Our builder down in St. Louis is working and has been recognized statewide that you need a notary to recognize your mail-in ballot. 
and he has built this organization and, and got funding to provide access to notaries and even beyond. And he called me one night with a list of literally like 5,000 names. He was like, I need connections to all these people. I said, cool, I, I know most of them, why? And he goes, I did a complete internet search and anyone that has ever said young people need to vote, I'm going after them on this because if they actually mean it, they will help with this. And I was like, that is that mentality that we are just lifting up at Civic Sun Pledge, which is remarkable. That is remarkable. I mean, talk about calling someone in. Yeah. That is what that means. Yeah. The boldness of someone stepping up to that degree is beautiful. I had my own experience with a, a Gen Z leader within the climate space who hit me up and she's like, you're on TV a lot. I need introductions <laughs> to all these bookers so they can hear directly from the most impacted generation about the biggest crisis our species has ever faced. Mm. You can join our Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my every morning, man. That's right. my every morning. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> so so just, you know, despite or in addition to this focus on Gen Z, your movement and campaigns have an intergenerational flavor to them. Can you share more about that perspective, how you're achieving that other than using people over 18 to sign checks. <laughs> I appreciate you, Zoe. Um, yeah, we are not anti-generational, right? We are not that OK Boomer movement, which is not Gen Z. This is caused at that. And really from the founding ethos back to, man, I, I wish this existed when I was Zoe's age, right? The amount of things that I did in my public service that I'm proud of, but it could have been a lot more impactful if I understood the system as opposed to the issue. I understood my issue. I didn't know what system in which it existed in. and with age comes wisdom, no matter what that wisdom is, whether sharpening your own conviction or, or learning from what they have carried out. So our community is 14 years old, all the way up to 94 of individuals that have signed pledges and have, have committed and rolled up their sleeves. And it, it comes in, in a lot of different forms and fashions, but that superhero, it's not even a superhero theme. We are superheroes, right? People say, oh, you lean into it. No, no, we, we are explorers. We are astronauts. We are superheroes. We are building the largest democracy movement, forget America, that this world has ever seen. And we say that with humility and with conviction. And uh, so we ask the, the intergenerational of, okay, I see your LinkedIn. I see that you're a, a good CEO. That's great. What is your actual superpower? And we have this mantra in the community. You have to lean in at what you're good at to, to show that you can lift this community up. But what's the other side of you that you don't get the flex all that often? And one, lean into what you're good at and then lean into that side. So there's everything from providing jobs, providing mentorship to joining boards of, of the organizations and movements that our fellows and builders are launching. I don't know if I did that justice, Zoe. You tell me. I think so. And I think you framed it perfectly. There's a lot of wisdom. All of the co-founders, all of the board members. I mean, you can look at their LinkedIn, but you can also just talk to them. And I've been amazed. I'm like, wow. I'm like, these people are doing stuff that like I want to do. And like, I, I know I got that feeling when I talked to Nick, for example, because he used to be an educator and went to law school and now is doing, you know, civics unplugged work and leading program development. I was like, wow. I'm like, this is like the education person that like I've always needed to talk to. And so I know I joked that, you know, so much of their purpose is of administrative assistance, but there's an even added, I mean, they're not assistants, they're administrative assistants. Yeah, there's a lot of, feedback. There's a lot of advice. There's a lot of help that comes from having these adults. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have slapped Gary late at night. I'm like, Gary, I'm trying to figure out how to do this tech thing. Or Gary, I need to figure out you know, this because I'm trying to figure out like, how do I frame this for a college essay? He's great, responds so quickly and is always there. But then, you know, it's 
it goes back and forth. So I, I would say that not only are all of the co-founders mentors, but I think we're also just friends. And I don't think that young people get to have that relationship with adults all the time, where it's like, you rely on them, but they just as much rely on you as well. And that's not a dynamic that you see a lot, I think, when young people have mentors. And it's been a really powerful and transformational experience. You've talked a bit about the flat organizational structure, about being executive assistants to the generation from Josh's perspective. What are some of the top technologies or even processes that you have in place that are critical to, to powering this campaign uh, and to actually governing in this different way? I'll say in terms of technology, Slack, number one, I don't think anything that's going on in CU would exist without Slack. The ability to just message anybody in Slack whenever you want to is just so powerful to, I think, just like flattening that organizational structure. You know, when you have an idea and you want the steering committee to hear it, you just add all of them in a message. You're like, hey, at steering committee, I want you to think about this. Or hey, or you can add anybody on the CU team. Hey, I want you to look at this. And you get the notification. And we have, I think, a really strong culture of like when someone has an idea, when someone wants to experiment, you go all in. You're supposed to help them figure it out. And I think that's a really powerful attitude we all have. It's just that we want to experiment because that's the only way you figure out how to do things better. And so while we have you know, a strong culture and we have traditions, we're always looking for ways to change that and to make it better and more conducive for everybody. Like, for example, we have an opportunities channel where people can share things. And so sometimes in Slack, you can notify everybody in the Slack workspace. So like all 186 builders would get notified every time somebody posts an opportunity and someone was like hey that's a lot of notifications in a day could we maybe condense this could we do like a weekly thing and now we do weekly roundups and that's something that i think in a more hierarchical organization would have taken weeks to figure out and we we made that change in two days and so i think it's really powerful and really key i think to how fast civic Sunplug is able to move on a lot of things i like the idea of my city council being available to me on slack yep and I'd be like, hey, dude, fix this. This isn't right. Yep. Change the funding of the police. Do it. You're accountable to me. Um, I have one question that we ask all our guests now, which is this show sees citizen as a verb, uh, more so than a legal status. And so if you interpret citizen as a verb for both of you, how would you define the word citizen? And I think like two words, I guess, come to mind. I guess it's just vulnerability knowing that you don't know everything and it's important to seek out the voices and the information that you're not hearing that can really shape the kind of change that we can create and then i think mobilizing you know i think when you have a really great idea when you're really passionate about something it's important to bring people along the co-founders of cu could have just run on this idea of what, what do we want 2030 to look like let's just do this as a group but you know they knew that they needed young people behind that and that's why they put together the fellowship. That's why they started CU, because young people had to come and be on that mission with them. And that's, you know, an impetus that's also been put on all of us is we, in many cases, have the privilege of being able to be a part of this community, to be able to check Slack in every hour or so. How can we bring young people who aren't able to do that? Or how can we bring young people who aren't engaged yet into this movement as well? And Josh, for you, how would you define citizen if you interpret it as a verb? I'm bad with verbs and adjectives and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll just riff on that's uh, real. But what I think about it uh, is just that whole idea of how boring is life if you're actually the smartest one in the room? That is a position 
I never want any myself to be in, but a lot of us to be in. Uh, so I think about that in terms of how you do a citizen to consistently seek out communities that are more active, smarter, intelligent, thoughtful than you. And the second one is how you and I vibed uh, on it as I, I was rooted in, in the love of Jackie Robinson's legacy and had the privilege to, to grow up there. And uh, Mr. Robinson wrote a book, First Class Citizenship, and talk about him turning it into a verb way post his professional baseball career. It picks up of what he did thereafter to make citizen a verb and more active in people's life. So that, that's what comes to mind. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And now we are going to go to questions. I'm starting with uh, this first one. Uh, in terms of leadership, have you found it more effective to empower people to become leaders or has it been more effective to bring together and catalyze people who already are taking action as leaders? So that has been one of the coolest things to play out. So when we announced to the community that, uh, hey, you went through this fellowship, you poured it in with us, and now we're going to invest in your project. So write that project plan. We'll invest in it. Once again, I was wrong. I figured, you know, all a couple hundred plus uh, fellows moving into builders would have made their own proposal. Uh, what we did see is about 50-50. 50% of them bring in work from other folks and their peers that they already saw happening in the community saying, I lean in behind the scenes, which is often more important. And they need the support. They need this community. And then about the other 50 percent say, hey, you know, I'm the leader. This is what I want to want to head up. Uh, and th that was really something very hopeful that I, I experienced. There's a follow on in our next question from Jen and Tom. Not all kids are leaders. How can kids who aren't into leadership still be involved? Yeah, I can take that. You know, you don't have to lead an organization. You don't have to be on the steering committee. Uh, so much of everything that CU has done would not have happened without people just doing the work. And I mean, like we have leaders who are doing the work. And, you know, of course, those are the front people who are maybe, you know, on podcasts like this or people who are going out and kind of evangelizing the message. Um, but, you know, we wrote a ton of song parodies to invite of our civic superheroes to come to commence. And that's work that every builder participated in. We had builders who didn't submit their own projects, but man, they can write some really good Drake um, parodies. I, I didn't even know that was a skill that people had, but there are just so many ways for people to plug in. And I think the parodies is a great example of like, you don't think that's something that's gonna help, but if we hadn't written those parodies and hadn't gotten those people to come to commence, would we have the energy right now that we're having when we have the connections that we're having and the name recognition no so in many ways you know those just writing those songs at like 11 o'clock at night um in the middle of the summer really did catalyze a lot of the civics 2030 movement so i think there are a lot of ways to be a leader in your own right without necessarily leading like a team of people i have long believed that Drake parodies were key to restoring and renewing our democracy. And now I have the evidence I need <laughs> to use that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, our next question comes from Ned and Amber. It's, it's about the organizational structure. Uh, how big is the organization, the number of staff or those involved day to day? But it's related to this idea that most people have a sense that an organization needs a hierarchy to ensure order. So in addition to sort of your org chart and headcount numbers, how does your culture defy the narrative of hierarchy to ensure that things get done? It frustrates me at times, but the steering committee that Zoe talks about, right, we've leaned into that structure where they are the ones because we built it with them and, and 
co-piloted it and then agreed that these five uh, community members were the ones that make the decisions on what projects we invest in. And I couldn't love that more because I know myself and I knew I would start to mingle in it. And the second, I think it was the first project that you all invested in, I jumped in. I was like, well, I've got all these questions about it and I'm not sure. And I was like, well, that's why we set up the structure. And so it is actually leaning into structures to ensure that there is leadership and accountability within these different mechanisms. So we started with 220 fellows. We got hundreds of applications from all 50 states, Guam, Puerto Rico, our community. So you got to recognize we had zero marketing budget. We did zero ads. We built a website with these kids and said, take it out. And started with 220 because we were going to culminate in Washington, D.C. And Georgetown only gave us, I mean, I love you, Georgetown, but you only gave us 220 vets. So that, that was that forcing <laughs> function. Now, when COVID shut down and we as a community decided, we decided in, I think, early April, Zoe, we weren't going to D.C. We called the shot. When we weren't going to D.C., we started launching things like Unplugged Conversations fireside chat. So that's when we started to bring in hundreds of more other participants. And we just launched year two application. And in less than 48 hours, we got more than 200 applications in, in two days. We're probably going to cap around 500. But the size of everyone working on it all the time, I say is it about 11 deep, but we interact as a community every single day. So we, we start our mornings off uh, with a morning reflection. Where I come from, it's called convocation, but it's a morning reflection where we all lean in, set for the day, expectations, reflect on something, challenge each other. But that's a bit of how we're, we're structured in the size. Thank you for that. We are going to go to a live question. Uh, we're going to Gunnar Carlson. I'm Gunnar Carlson. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you for this talk, first of all, and thank you for your leadership and service. Um, Zoe, my question is for you, and specifically, I work with a lot of youth, and so something I like to ask and get an honest answer on is one way that you think that adults like us can be supportive and get behind you and lean in and help your momentum, and what is one area where we need to just get out of the way because we're a problem and it would be easier to just let you do your thing? I think the biggest thing is just to believe, just believe in young people. You know, if a young person has the drive to come and talk to you about a problem they're seeing, if they have a new policy they want to recommend, then you just got to lean in. I can tell you from personal experience um, with my education advocacy group, we were lobbying in Frankfurt to increase pay, but also just increase the number of school counselors because our school to counselor ratio is like almost close to 500 to one, which is just ridiculous. Students aren't getting school counseling resources. And then the response from a senator in the Kentucky legislature was, you all should start a bake sale and raise money to pay for your school counselors. You know, which is like, what? I know people are laughing, they're shaking their heads. That's ridiculous. You know, you can't pay for school counselors with a bake sale. Um, so I think that just overcoming that culture of writing kids off, if a kid's going to come and lobby to you in Frankfurt about how they think they need more school counselors, then you know, they're lobbying just like anyone else where they really care about an issue in terms of, I guess, I guess tips as well as I think a lot of kids sometimes say they we want to be treated like adults, but there's a nuance to that. We don't want to be treated like we're 30 because we're not 30, but just given the same kind of like value in our opinions and what we know. But also recognize, though, that if we're 18, like what Josh was saying, we obviously don't have the same kind of wisdom as somebody who's lived much longer. But that doesn't mean that our ideas are any less merited. It just means that we may need a little bit more support from intergenerational partners to operationalize those ideas. I hope I answered your question. I may have just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Thank you. I appreciate that question. And I'm still mad about the way those Kentucky elected officials responded to you. So I want to know how we can help out. Telling kids to do a bake sale instead of you doing your job is the height of offensive and unsmall d democratic. So we got to work on that, um, especially in a pandemic. So sorry. <laughs> Because there's been so much concern, especially by folks like your parents and the age group of your parents, about the consequences of living in a digital landscape, how do you manage the full-time screen time life? What does that digital hygiene look like for you? It's been an adjustment. So I think for a long time, my resolve was like, well, I don't spend too much time on screens because I'm at school and I'm not on screens and I'm at school. So it's okay for me to do all these Zoom calls and I get home because I've had all this in-person interaction. And then when that went away, I think a lot of the kids I know, it was kind of a wake-up call. Like, whoa, we need to do some things personally to make sure that you know we're filling our own cup before we're filling everyone else's. So you know, we've started kind of like taking Saturdays off of Slack. And that's something we started recently. It was like, we need to have something where people know I don't have to be on Slack today because nothing's going to happen important today. And I think a lot of digital hygiene, I think, is just making sure that you're being social, because if you're just working all day and just on Zoom calls where it's just work, I think that's really draining. But a lot of what we do at Civics Unplugged is a lot of fun. You know, if we're not getting right into the meat of things, we're just chatting, just chatting about how life is going. I always like to reference Lillian, another person on our steering committee. She started a meme channel in Civics Unplugged where we just send memes and just talk about meme culture. So just something casual so that you you know can be on a screen because that's you know one of the few ways we can really interact with others especially in CU but still you know have a good time while also you know working to save democracy on the other side of things as well. Uh this conversation with both of you has been what I needed. <laughs> I think it's been what a listener needs right now. We are in this moment of uh, extraordinary fraughtness and precariousness and balancing and feeling overwhelmed. And we don't get very many signals of anything worth fighting for, looking forward to, from our major news outlets. And you have filled my cup with your energy, with your approach, with your Drake parodies <laughs> and your belief in memes to restore and renew democracy. Thank you for showing up Thank you for building relationships. Thank you for understanding your power. Thank you for working on behalf of the many and not just the few. That's how to citizen. And we are learning from you in the process. Zoe and Josh, Civics Unplugged family, you're welcome here any and every time. Thank you for sharing this space with us. And, and Zoe, we still gonna work on that, that bake sale response. That needs a clap back of a very specific nature. I don't know about you, but I am feeling motivated, inspired, and uplifted by that energetic conversation with representatives from the next generation. We are so grateful to Josh Thompson and Zoe Jenkins for joining us. You can find them online, Joshua T. Thompson on Twitter or Civics Unplugged on Instagram or Twitter. And you can also, of course, go to their website at civicsunplugged.org. This whole episode, a transcript, and the actions I'm about to tell you are always findable at howtocitizen.com. So listen to what I'm about to say 
but also just go to the website. Here are some actions you can take in the spirit of youth in action and letting the kids lead. Internally, we have, as usual, a writing exercise. This one is inspired by the Civics 2030 program at Civics Unplugged, and it's to help you start your journey as a Civics 2030 builder. Even though you're not formally in the program, you can run alongside. So you want to fill in the following statements. To me, a flourishing democracy is one that a flourishing community is one that blank, right? By 2030, I pledge to have contributed to the flourishing of the following communities and then list them. Finally, by 2030, I pledge to have played any, many, or all of the following roles in service of creating a brighter future for my communities and American democracy. And if you're not American, that's okay. I might be low-key jealous of you. So pick your society, your community as it fits. After you're done developing your own vision, check out a bit of the vision of Civics Unplugged. We are linking to two pieces. Why we must save American democracy is one of them and what American democracy could look like in 2030. For external actions, we'd have four things lined up for you in this episode. Number one, identify young people in your life that you could support. Ask them what they are working on and ask how you can help. Then help them. Number two, the Civics Unplugged Fellowship is open and accepting 2021 submissions. The deadline is November 30th, 2020. Nominate someone, encourage someone, spread the word to get high schoolers involved in this process. Number three, get involved as a mentor yourself in supporting builders at the Civics 2030 campaign. We have a link to that, civicsunplugged.org slash plug dash in. And a bonus, this is my favorite assignment by far. Don't tell the other producers. My favorite assignment, I want you to find or create your own Drake memes and parodies. Yes, do it for democracy, y'all. This is how we do it. If you take any of these actions, share them with us via email, action at howtocitizen.com. Make sure to mention kids will lead in the subject line and brag about it loud and publicly on social media. Use the hashtag howtocitizen. We love general comments. You can hit us up, comments at howtocitizen.com. I'm Baratune Day Thirsty. I am your host and I am infinitely reachable wherever Baratune Days are found on social media, but specifically reachable by you via text message at 202-894-8844. How to Citizen with Baratune Day is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts, executive produced by Miles Gray, Nick Stump, Elizabeth Stewart, and Baratune Day Thirsty. Produced by Joelle Smith, edited by Justin Smith, powered by you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 